Good morning. It's a wonderful gift to be in this place. It's a place that makes me feel like I'm home. So thank you for the invitation to preach, McGray. Um, and as I stand here, I don't stand alone. Um, I was sent back home by my bishop in the Methodist Church of Southern Africa, Bishop Michelle Hansrod, who extends greetings to all of you. Um, and the church that I serve is Central Methodist Mission in Cape Town, South Africa, and they send a warm hello, um, as does the pastor in that place, Reverend Allen Story. Um, so now that I have sent all the greetings and we feel like we're a bigger family than we were when we walked in here, um, let us turn to God in prayer. Holy and merciful God, you are the breather of life. God, you give us the gift of rest and time with you. And every time we say yes to that, oh God, you multiply our ability to be a blessing to you and others in the world. So God, we ask that you help us in this time to hear the particular word that you speak to us. That at the end of this day, we might be given the gift of a wrestle, a wrestle with how best to live our life with you, O oh God, to be a blessing. Amen. The words that you heard read from the Message Bible, um, the words that Peter sent out, were spoken to a group of people who would have been living in what we would understand today to be modern-day Turkey. They were a people who were actually living in exile. So those words were words spoken to a displaced people. They were displaced from where they were from. And so Peter's message would have been very important to them because they were learning how to live in difficult and challenging times. And what he says to them is so beautiful. He says, stay awake in prayer. Love one another as if your life depends on it. And then he expands by sharing with them how important it is for them to spend the moments of their life figuring out how best to serve God. Making sure that in all the ways that we have been blessed, we are living so that others are being wrapped up in this thing, he says, this thing that is life. Life the way it's meant to be lived. So the question is, how do we stay rooted and grounded in the life of faith in order that we might find ourselves not just contemplating about it, but living it. Stay wide awake in prayer, he begins with. I'm thankful for this challenge to him because as McGray invited me to come back and share my story, I was reflecting on the things that I know now that I did not know then. When I came to this church, I would have been in my late 20s. I was not formed and shaped by a congregation other than this one. So this is the only church that I have been a member of. 
And when I came to this place and joined the 20s and 30s group that was here, um, they asked me, maybe three months in, would I teach a course on prayer? And I said, what? What do I know about prayer? Well, as they continued to make their argument, they said, but you asked the best questions. And I thought, because I don't know anything about prayer. So I did what any good teacher does. I went into Jim Harnish's office at the time, and I tried to argue my point on why I should not have to teach on prayer. And he did that thing he used to do. And he said, go ahead and do the reading that you think is important, these seven books you've purchased on prayer, and then come back to me and we'll talk again. And so I did. I read seven books on prayer, and I knocked on his door without an appointment. I used to do that to him all the time. Um, And I sat with him, and I said, you know, it's really amazing. All these books, they have these great patterns and teaching for how you can grow in your life of prayer, but essentially they get down to the same little nugget. That God really doesn't care about a magical phraseology that comes from us. God cares about us. And that God can hold whatever words we bring. And I started talking to him and talking to him and talking to him. And I can just imagine what was going on in his head. Why do I have to listen to this girl? (laughs) She knows what to do. Go teach on prayer. Um, And it was a wonderful course because I really didn't know anything magical. I put questions out there for the group and we wrestled together. We brought people in that were the wise people of this church and they shared with us how prayer had shaped their life. And when I left this place, I would share with you that I still didn't know everything about prayer. It's a mysterious thing, but it is necessary for us in our life of faith. It's as necessary as the air that we breathe for us to be bound up in prayer with God. Because if we're not friends, we get bound up in another way of life. I don't know how many of you have an iPhone. Can, can I see some hands if you have an iPhone or, or even a smartphone? It doesn't... Wow. That's a lot of us. Um, well, I must confess I have one too. And there's moments in my life where I feel like I'm bound up by this noise. Ping, ping, ping. You know what I mean? It's the incoming messages from everyone out there in the world who there are moments in my life where I begin to believe that those messages are so important that I lose track in them from the rhythm of life I am to be living with God. And so it's something for us to be mindful of in this generation that it's harder for us to be quiet than it probably ever was before. Because right in our pockets oftentimes is that noise, ping, ping, ping that is saying to us, we are so important. The people that are pinging us are so important. But are they more important than the rest and the peace and the wisdom that we find when we engage in a prayerful life with God? 
We can also get so distracted with the traffic jam that lives in our minds. The busyness of our life, the to and fro, the to and fro, the lists and lists of things to do, can distract us from silence and quiet. And an intentional life of prayer that forms and shapes us on the world inside of us so that we can live in peace and hear that voice of God. So Peter's words to those living in exile, stay wide awake in prayer, hear them. Because no, we are not living in exile like they were. But there is a sense that we're living in a different sort of exile. Prayer helps us to match our heartbeat in rhythm to the heartbeat of God. Peter also tells them to be sure to love one another as if your life depends on it. Life in its fullest form, friends, is lived lovingly. We don't know life in its fullest form if we don't learn how to live lovingly. Love one another as if your life depended on it. Well, you heard earlier that there is a theme today, and the theme is saying yes. And in particular, we're being asked to say yes to serve. To live fully is to fly in the reality of the beautiful creation that we are. And we fly the strongest when we found a place where we can serve in the unique way we were created to. I was asked to reflect on my own journey and the ways in which Hyde Park has impacted me in the ways that I serve. And as I was looking over the course of my life and remembering that time, I remembered it fondly. Um, And I want to share with you part of the reason is because I found freedom in this place um, to serve and to fail when I served and to try again and to try again. Sometimes you have to say no to things, Vicki said, and I think that's important for us to hear. Um, the first area of service that I branched out into was the children's ministry. And I remember feeling incredibly overwhelmed with the children's ministry. It wasn't actually what I said yes to in the end, but it was a wonderful gift of opportunity for me to serve with the kids. And I wanted to share with you the thing I loved about it the most was when Vacation Bible School actually happened in the activity center. It was overwhelming because there were lots of kids and there were costumes. Like, I never knew if someone was going to say, would you dress up like this character or that? And it wasn't for me. But when you saw all the kids in there and witnessed them being given the gift of learning about God in an incredibly creative, unique way, it was so beautiful. And the children's minister at the time was Sherry Baltzer. This would have been years ago. Um, And a man came to her and he said, I would like to serve with Vacation Bible School. And then he said, but I don't like children. I was standing behind her, you know, and at the time I knew everything, you know. 
you know those people. And I'm thinking right away, this is a red flag. Man wants to work with children, does not like them. Let's push him right out the door somehow. But Sherry didn't. She sat down with him and she listened. Why do you want to do this? And he experienced the same thing I did. When he looked and saw them learning, he wanted that to happen. But please don't put me in a costume. Don't make me sing and dance. I don't want to teach in front of them or anything like that. And so Sherry said to him, there is a way you can help. We have a registration table right at the front. You can sit right there and you can sign them in. That's all you have to do. We need someone to do that. And when Vacation Bible School happened that year, I watched this man sitting at the table, signing the children in, and on his face, he had the biggest smile. And I was thinking to myself, it was because he didn't have to wear a costume, he didn't have to sing and dance, and he was doing something that allowed him to be a part of something so much greater than himself. And that moment right there is what I would say is the greatest gift that Hyde Park ever gave me. Every time I said yes to serving in this place, I could see the evidence of how I was wrapped up in something so much greater than myself. We do great things in this place. And you want to be a part of that. The next area of service that I engaged in was the the ministry of my heart. It was the youth group. I never would have guessed um, that I would have loved serving with the youth. But the, the time I came here, I was deeply questioning the deep questions of the life of faith. And I didn't just want to have an intellectual wrestle or think about things in my head. I wanted to see them actually lived out. And that's the thing about young people. That's always what they want to. They're not necessarily afraid of running after the things that the Bible calls for us to run after. When they see Jesus living a life out there in the world, they say, hey, I want to run and go do that too. And so my years of serving with the youth were an incredible gift to me for two reasons. One was, um, well, firstly, I served during what I call the Peggy Ingram years, and she had a large group, a team of us that worked together, and part of what I enjoyed was being a part of that team because we loved one another as we loved the kids. And the other thing I loved about working with the youth was witnessing them struggle and wrestle and figure out what they needed to say yes to, too. And so many of them today are doing wonderful things with their life. Wonderful things. And it's a gift to have had even just a fingerprint in the midst of forming and shaping their lives. So I wanted to share one story. Um, There was a young girl. Her name is Logan Miles in our youth group. Very vivacious young young girl. She was in middle school when I was here. um, And she was in my middle school Bible study. And we went out for lunch one day in the community, and we're looking around, and someone's missing, and it was Logan. Well, Logan was sitting at a table with a group of women, 
And so I decided, well, maybe I need to just go check and make sure, you know, she's not disrupting them. And as I approached the table, the women knew what was coming. They knew, oh, she's going to take her away. And they stopped me and they said, mm-mm-mm. She's fine. She's blessing us. And I learned this lesson from Logan that day. And the lesson was, whoever you are, whatever your personality, go forth and be a blessing. Bless God and others through the little moments that you live in your life. And that is what Peter is saying to the people that he is writing to. And he's talking, once again, remember, to people who are living in exile, to people who are experiencing hard times. He's saying, even in the midst of the hard times, go forth and be a blessing. Let people see you living your life deeply rooted in prayer, loving one another, and living your life as you were created to, as the unique and beautiful person that you are. When I first came to this church, I I sat with Jim and I said, I'm really interested in a Bible study, a little small Bible study. And he said, oh, I have the perfect thing for you, Disciple One, little small Bible study. It's not a little small Bible study, but it deeply formed me and shaped my life from this point forward. And in that class at the end, I don't know if they still do it, but they write on little pieces of paper who they believe you are. Um, And I still have them. I have them in a little box and I pull them out sometimes um, because the people in my Disciple One class saw things I never saw in myself. They wrote on the papers, prophet, pastor, leader, listener, encourager. And when I pull those out and I look at them, I think, wow, the group that I studied the Bible with for so long, formed and shaped me and spoke into my life the reality of the person that God was calling me to be even when I couldn't see it myself. And I remember the moment when I received those words because I was receiving them from people, some of you may or may not know them, but people like Peggy Michael, who has died now, but she was a giant of the faith in this place. People like Pat Hannon, who was here at 8.30, just beaming. People like Lou Schmidt. And then people like one of my best friends, Heather. And I remember holding those pieces of paper and up within me rising a little whisper saying, say yes. Not to doing those things but just in believing that one day they would be true. That comes from quiet and prayer and listening. The pastor I serve with in South Africa, Alan Story, I met him here for the first time years and years ago. It was directly following that Disciple One Bible study. We went for a retreat and he was the lead speaker. Um, And I remember him sharing that in his country, it only costs $60 to build a house. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, well, what does that house look like? $60 for a house. And he shared pictures of this house. And it was made of tin. The tin shacks and the informal settlements in South Africa is what he was talking about. 
And I vividly remember standing in that moment and having my first real wrestle with economic disparities in the world. So it was in this place that I first began to wrestle with the question of what does it mean for us to live here with so much and people on the other end of the world or people in the other end of the world of our community to live with very little. How do we live in such a time as this was my big question. I didn't know anything about global, global economics or politics at that time. Nothing about that kind of thing. But I began to read. Voraciously, I read. And I began to say yes to going places. And every time I said, oh my gosh, I've been invited to go here, or I've been invited to go here, do you know what this congregation said? Say yes. This congregation has been with me on the journey for many years, always telling me, we believe in you, say yes. When I was asked to be trained with another group of young leaders by the United Nations, you said, go, say yes, we'll help you get there. When I was asked to study about the conflict in Israel-Palestine, you said, say yes, we'll help you get there. Every time, every time, you've been with me on the journey. And I can't, I can't tell you enough how thankful I am for the freedom to be who I am called to be and for your always saying we're with you. Say yes. When I was preparing to leave for South Africa, Vicki and I had a con- conversation and she said, oh, Michelle, I hope this is all going to work out. You know, we're in transition. Things are happening. I just don't know. And I wrote her a letter and I said, Vicki, I need Hyde Park to be with me. I need to root myself back in the family where I first met God. I need to be back with the people who told me who I was at the beginning of my first faith journey. And I don't necessarily care about the money. I care about your prayers. I care about you listening to my stories. And I care about, about you holding me accountable to my life in the world. Because I still am an extension of this place. Whether I worship with you every Sunday or whether I'm out in the world serving, I needed to be rooted and tied back here. And so Vicki read my letter to the group and they said, yes, we'll be with you. And I'm thankful for that. What I love about Hyde Park is this is a community that is intentional about providing ways for people to come alive in who they are. I hope you were listening to McGray's prayer. He described that no one is asking you to put your name in a box. They're asking for us to spend some time quietly with God. To be listening for what might be stirring up inside of us. And to be looking out there in the world. And I mean beyond the four walls of this church, the world. And listening for the thing that might be what God is drawing us into to say yes to. Not because the pastor is asking you, not because I'm telling a story, but because there's something within us that says, I want to come alive in who I am and give back in a way 
that my unique person can do. You know, Peter's sharing these words to people in exile. I shared earlier that we're not in exile like they are, but there is a sense that we live as exiles in one crazy world, huh? In one crazy world. This past week, I've been spending some time with people all around the world. It was an incredible gift to me. There were people from Rwanda, Germany, the Congo, South Africa, the U.S., all together with one man, Father Lapsley, who runs these programs. They're called Healing of Memories Workshops. And he was training all of us that were gathered with him to learn how to lead these workshops too. Um, If you see the picture of Father Lapsley here, you'll notice that he doesn't have hands. And the reason for that is because he was a freedom fighter during the apartheid years and received a letter bomb from the apartheid government. He doesn't know who sent it to him to this day exactly, um, but when it exploded, it took both his his hands, partial vision, um, and some of his hearing is impacted as well. Um, And he really, he could have lived a very angry life in the wake of that. But what he decided to do was to continue the work of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission by allowing space for people to come together and share their story. So then in the sharing of their stories, they might find healing and wholeness from that apartheid past that within them left a sort of brokenness. And the reason I was so thankful to be there with these other people is that so much of my life since I've left here has been about traveling to different places around the world where there has been deep conflict. And as I've traveled, I've listened to stories of people who have received terrible wounds to their spirit. And having space to sit and share those stories brings peace and wholeness. It doesn't change everything and make it better, but it allows people to work on the world of their inside. We are exiles in a way. Hear the words of this poem by Warsan Shire, a South African poet. Later that night, I held an atlas in my lap and ran my fingers over the whole world and asked, where does it hurt? And it answered, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. We are in the wake of Easter, and from the cross, Jesus spoke these words, I thirst. One in every ten people on this earth lack access to clean drinking water. They thirst. They thirst. Every 90 seconds, a child dies from a water-related disease. They suffer. They suffer. The water crisis was named by the World Economic Forum in January 2015 as the number one global risk for devastation in our world. Oh, Lord, we're listening. We're listening. Put before you is this challenge to say yes. And I want to share with you 
that our saying yes to anything that happens in these four walls should always impact what happens out there in the world. Because out there in the world, friends, people experience thirst. They experience suffering. They experience a sense of not being heard. And Jesus says to us, like Peter does, seep yourself in prayer. Don't allow your life to be oriented by the ping, ping, ping of your phone and the busyness of our lists of things to do and not be wide awake to those out in the world who will be impacted in beautiful ripple effects by everything we say yes to. It's a wonderful gift to witness that happening, to stand in a place where others from this church have stood before and to hear them say, I know Hyde Park Methodist Church. I want to meet the people of that church one day and for me to stand tall and proud and say, I'm one of them. It's no small thing, the love that people gave me here. It's no small thing, the way Jim Harnish helped me figure out prayer. It's no small thing, the way people invested in building and creating small groups for me to figure out what the word of God means in my life. And it's no small thing when each of you say yes to helping that make happen happen to. The mission of this church, making God's love real, that came about during a time of deep prayer and contemplation in the life of this place. And those words still shape me today. What does it mean for me to make God's love real in my life and in the world around me? The words that you heard read from the message that Peter spoke are so beautiful. I wanted you to hear them. But I also want to look at just one line from the NRSV, and it should hit your screen for you to follow along. Where the message was talking about serving as being feeding people who are hungry or giving a bed to those who don't have one, important things to do. But I want you to hear actually what is in the NRSV. Like good stewards... Of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God might be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Vicki was sharing about the dental clinic and the refugees gathered in this place. I can't imagine everyone is the best fit for doing exactly what you need them to do this morning, but I can imagine some of you are. And I can imagine that all of us can pray about those things. Not everyone will help with vacation Bible school here in this place, but all of us can pray. For me, I want you to hear that standing before you 
gives me strength. Being back with the people who spoke God's word into my life gives me strength. Receiving an invitation to preach this morning gives me strength. Sharing my story with you gives me strength. Because it reminds me of who I am and who I am called to be. My first sermon was preached to the youth on a bridge as the sun was rising. And at the time, if I spoke in front of people, I would break out in a red rash and I would stutter. The first time I preached, wasn't nervous at all, was standing in a deep sense of peace. And every time since then, I felt like it is the thing I'm called to do, to share God's love and message with people here and all around the world as best I can. And so coming here, it gives me strength to do what I have to do because you are the people who helped me understand who I'm called to be. We pray, we love, we serve in order that people might truly see with the eyes of their heart the way it is really meant to be, that they might be caught up in this thing too, Peter says, this thing life. The world out there is full of hard stories. As you have sent me out into the world as a representative, these hands have held the face of a little child who had HIV AIDS before she died. My knees have been on concrete floors all over the world, praying with mothers whose children were sick in hospitals where they most likely would never recover. My arms have hugged parents who have lost children on both sides of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And every time I come back here, I remember that first wrestle I had with what does it mean for me, a person with such privilege, to live the way I do when others don't. It's a constant wrestle for me. And I invite you as you're saying yes, for your yes, friends, to come from the world inside your heart, the place where God calls us into stillness and quiet and where God gives us peace. And you can trust as you continue to wrestle that the ripple effects will go out into the world because I promise you, the way God works, you're going to see others from this community that are just like me that will say yes to going to a conference, to learning more about the world, that will say yes to traveling and then will come back and tell you the difference you're making by the way you form and shape your people here in this place. I want to end by, by reading a quote by Marian Williamson, so I hope you'll follow that along on the screen. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. 
We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Friends, my deep prayer for you is that you will allow your heartbeat to slow and begin to match the rhythm of the heartbeat of God. That you will find some time this week to sit in quiet longer than you ever have before. That you will allow yourself to become still. And that in that space, you will hear whatever it is that God is drawing you to say yes to. And when you have the courage to say that yes, my hope and prayer is you'll feel yourself begin to fly into the person that God created you to be. It's where we're most alive. And that's why I say yes. Amen.